Welcome back to another episode of Inquiry, a podcast geared towards students where we discuss all things related to tech from school to industry. My name is Daniel. I'm Annie. And together, we are your co-hosts. This episode is part of Inquiry's focus series, Tech from Square One, where we interview startup founders so you can gain insight on what it's like to be an entrepreneur in this space. For today's episode, we are so excited to introduce Francesco Verga. Francesco Verga is a graduate from Queen's University where he completed a degree in engineering physics. He has acquired an extensive amount of work experience during his university years, ranging from freelance work to software development internships, as well as involvement in startups. After noticing many issues in the event and payment space, he co-founded Bounce, a startup located in Toronto. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, Francesco. Thank you, really looking forward to it, Daniel. Would you be able to start off by telling everyone a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So I was born in Belgium, actually, and I spent the first few years of my life growing up around Europe. Uh, Eventually, I ended up moving to Calgary, Alberta. Um, Now, growing up, I was always really interested in just understanding how things work and how things are built. So I was one of those kids that was always taking things apart, kind of looking into things like radios and alarm clocks and things like that, and just seeing all those inner workings. And so I always kind of knew I wanted to go into engineering, but I also had a great interest in physics and space. And so originally I wanted to go and do research in physics. And so when I came to Queens, I was actually going to go into astrophysics. And after speaking with a few mentors and my parents, everyone kind of said, you know what, maybe better to go into engineering because you're still kind of uncertain what you want to do. And then if you still want to go into this after, you can always specialize. So I chose engineering physics. Eventually, within the first like two weeks of starting, I very quickly realized I was not going to be a researcher. It was a big wake up call just from talking to professors and seeing what their day to day was like. I kind of had a skewed conception of what that job actually was. And so after that, I just really started focusing my time and efforts into learning software development, how to build things like websites, apps, machine learning, kind of all over the place. And then eventually came together with my co-founder, Sean, and we started working on Bounce. And that was in about third year in my undergrad. And now I'm a year graduated and it's still going great, still going strong with Bounce. That sounds great. So if we were to start with your interests, what would you say were your original interests and how did you, I guess, split off from those original interests into what you're working on now? So originally, as I said, it was very kind of focused on physics and space. I was always one of those people that loved like dreaming about like going to another planet or like going into a spaceship, like checking out space, even going to the moon. And so like growing up, I was always getting telescopes for my birthday and kind of doing all the sort of hobby type things associated. And once I actually started school, I realized with this sort of field that like, if you really want to have a big impact in it, you really have to spend a lot of time just in school and really like learning all of the really finer details within it. And I saw some of these like postdocs or PhD students 
that were still just trying to learn more and more so that they could make some breakthrough. And a lot of them didn't even end up making those breakthroughs. And so very quickly, I realized this wasn't really going to be for me because I always wanted to do something that would have a big impact on a lot of people. And so as much as I loved those fields, I decided it would just be great as more of a kind of hobby and interest. And then maybe later on in my future, uh, I could kind of revisit them. But for the time being, I was very keen to be able and have an impact right away and do something that can really extend out to a lot of people. And so that's where I really got interested in software development. Something that I found really exciting about software was that like, with just a computer, you're able to create value for millions of people and really create something that has this huge impact. And it's really the only thing that can do that because any other sort of engineering, you need raw materials, you need a huge team around it, you need uh, manufacturing. It was really cool to me that with only a computer and with spending the time into learning whatever it is you want to do, you could still have this huge impact. Yeah, I totally agree. It's insane how, as you said, with like a computer and some coding, you can make an app or software that can really change the life of millions of people. Exactly. So what made you decide to go onto the startup route? Once I started getting interested in software development, I was just doing a lot of like small side projects. And like, I always kind of had the hope in the back of my mind that one of them would just somehow blow up and become this big thing. And the more and more I got into it, the more and more I realized how unlikely that actually is. The idea of just kind of putting out a piece of software and it just like blowing up overnight without any sort of extra work. And so um, what I started to realize was if I really wanted to have an impact with this, I would have to actually start to learn how to build a company around it and how to actually market the app and sell it to people and really get it in the eyes of the consumers. And so after doing a few internships, I was kind of considering maybe I should go the corporate route. I really liked the idea of like trying to go down to California and just working in a big tech company there. But after talking to some of my just close family friends and even some people who had gone down that route, pretty much everyone said, if startups are something you're interested in and if you want to be creating something for yourself, start with that out of university because you're never going to have the opportunity where you have such little commitments where, say, in a year it crashes and burns. It won't really matter because you don't have a family. You don't have all these needs that in 10 or 20 years you might. And so that really kind of made it cut and clear for me. Um, at that point, I like I was never really too worried about like making money off the bat after graduating or anything like that. And so to me, it just made sense to try this out as soon as possible. And then worst case, it would fail, but I would have had a good experience. And then I could go and get a job or try again. But at least that way, I would have tried and I am avoiding getting stuck in that kind of loop of going to a corporate job and getting really comfortable and being kind of too scared to leave to do your own thing. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess looking back from where you are now, what would you say is the impact that the engineering physics degree had on your career? Yeah. So funny enough, a lot of people ask me, oh, you're a software engineer. How's that possible? You, you took physics. 
And I actually think that doing engineering physics was one of the most beneficial things for me. The reason for that is that going back to second year, I had a lot of friends in computer engineering and I really regretted going into engineering physics because a lot of them were getting cool summer jobs in different tech companies. And for me, I just didn't really have the experience yet. And I thought it was just because I was in the wrong degree. And so I couldn't really land any tech jobs off the bat. And I thought, what am I doing wasting my time in this when I could just be doing directly what I want to do? But the thing that engineering physics really taught me that I don't think any other program would have taught me is number one, how to really grind when you need to. Uh, throughout my second, third, and fourth year, I was like doing work till like two or three a.m. most nights. And before going through that, I had never been someone that could really sit down and do work for long periods of time. And so it really trained my brain to just be able to say, okay, I got to get this work done. Doesn't matter how long it's going to take. I'm going to do it. The other thing I found is that it really helped my uh, problem solving and out of the box thinking skills because, and you, you get a lot of this in other engineering programs as well. But I found with engineering physics, especially some of the really deep and theoretical topics, things like quantum mechanics are so out there and so un intangible that you really have to train yourself to think in a completely different manner. And so that was really cool for me because at first I hated it because it was just such a struggle, really hard to kind of get a grasp on. But eventually looking back now, I can say that I can think through problems a lot quicker. And also I can come up with more unique solutions just because I think I've gotten more used to thinking differently through harder problems, I guess you could say. Well, that's super interesting. It's really nice to see how a different program can offer a very different way of thinking and a way of approaching different problems. Yeah, exactly. And just to add to that, the other thing I was kind of worried about was that if I wasn't in computer engineering, I wouldn't get the right skills to like, say, land a tech job or do my own startup. What I quickly realized, though, is a lot of those skills in computer engineering are really just the baseline skills you need for software engineering. By no means is it a requirement. And so I ended up just taking a couple computer courses in my first and second year just to kind of get an intro to it and get started. But after that, I was interested enough that I could just go and learn whatever I wanted to online. And that's something else that I really didn't understand is that like these days, there's way more knowledge online that will be applicable to something like a startup than there is in school. And so I would say like for people looking at what program they want to do, don't just silo yourself into, oh, I want to be a software engineer. I have to go into computer engineering. You can always try other fields while still doing computer engineering. And that way you kind of have a few options and you can branch out. Plus you get a unique perspective that most people don't have by just going directly into the field. I think that's a great point. How, as you said, that the university is more like a foundation and then depending on where you want to go, you kind of branch out through knowledge that you can gain through the internet. Exactly. So you mentioned previously that you started Bounce in your third year of university. And as you said, engineering is a very work intensive program. How did you balance the two? Good question. <laughs> At first, I've always been the kind of person that likes to just challenge myself. And I find that if I don't have a lot on my plate, 
I won't get as much done. And so funny enough, the times in which I had the most work, I also would get the best marks just because it really forced me to add structure to my life and not to just say, watch Netflix for a couple hours or like go hang out with friends all the time. I really had to focus on ensuring I could get my work done. Now, eventually, once Bounce started getting busier and busier, I kind of just started neglecting school a bit, which isn't the best thing to do. But in my eyes, I had already seen that the different jobs I had gone to were much more worried about what sort of projects I had done than what my GPA was. And so to me, uh, it made sense to focus, especially on something like Bounce, which was becoming much more than just a personal side project. If I could actually make something out of that, I realized it would have much more of an impact in my career than if I could just get a slightly higher GPA. And so I still made sure I like got a kind of baseline, decent average. But after that, I just put most of my focus into the startup and into growing that and continuing to learn about uh, different skills that can help me with that. That's great to hear. I've noticed that projects on a resume can really bring out a person doing interviews and stuff. It's really something that makes a candidate unique. Yeah. And when we're hiring, that's like one of the first things we look at. I don't think I've ever looked at someone's GPA. That's good to hear. That doesn't mean not to slack off though. Exactly. It's still important to do well, especially if you're trying to go into further school or uh, any other sort of academics. So now going more into Bounce, what is Bounce? So Bounce at its core is a way for people to host events, attend events, both paid and free events, as well as just transact money. Now, this might sound like a lot of other services out there, things like Eventbrite or Ticketmaster or even like Facebook. But what we've really tried to do with Bounce is make a platform where you're not just going on to buy your ticket and then you leave. That's what we really found with Eventbrite or Ticketmaster is that you'd click the link to the event, you buy your ticket, you'd never even make an account, you'd just hit guest checkout and you leave. And it didn't really make sense to us because events are inherently social. And so it made sense to have the platform that hosts these events also be social. And so what we really wanted to do is build more of a social network that can tie together events and payments. And so the idea here is that you can log in and then you can see your friends, what events your friends are going to or uh, what sort of activity they have. Like say I sent you $5 for a sandwich. You can see that in the newsfeed, kind of similar to Venmo. And what's cool about that is that with attending events, usually people don't like attending events alone or unless they're really interested in the topic. Um, but most of the time, what we found is that people will go with groups of friends, but they want to see that other friends are going before they uh, commit to it themselves. And with platforms like Facebook, pretty much everyone just clicks attending to an event. And so you really don't know who's going and who's not. And then it, it's not a great experience if you think you're going to show up there with a whole bunch of friends and then you're uh, the only one of your friends that actually showed up. And so with Bounce, the cool thing is that once you see that someone actually buys a ticket to an event, you know almost certainly that they're going to go because they actually put money down towards it. So it does provide a cool network there in that you can go to events together, but then also once you're at those events, say your friend buys you a beer or buys you some food, 
you can very easily pay them back directly within the same app. And so we really wanted to make an app where you have your entire sort of event and socializing uh, all in one place. Now, from the hosting side, something that we found very early on in university was that hosting events was just always a mess because we had to use so many different platforms. Usually it was like create an event on Facebook, create an event on Eventbrite so that people can pay and then put the link to that in the Facebook event. Create a Slack group chat if it's like a conference, for example, so that we can communicate. And then say we want to collect dietary restrictions. Now we need a Google form as well. And so there's all these platforms, which from an event host is just not a great experience because you got to manage all this different stuff. But especially from the guest, it really sucks because as a guest, when you're attending an event, you want that experience to be as seamless for yourself because the idea is the host is kind of setting it up for you. You go there specifically for the value of the event. But now instead, you have to spend all this time beforehand creating accounts and getting integrated. And it's all on different websites and platforms. And so it just seemed so sporadic to us. It really made sense to put this all together in one. And so that's what we really focus on from the host side. And we've even added features like Google Form integration, where you can actually have your guests fill out Google Forms, but it's directly integrated within our website. And so that way you don't actually have to send them a separate link or they don't have to go anywhere else. They do it directly through us. That sounds great. And I think it's a very innovative idea of putting everything together to make a more streamlined and seamless experience for both the hosts as well as the guests who are attending. And it does create this more social and network aspect to each event. Exactly. Where did you originally get the idea or see the need for this kind of app or platform in the payment and event industry? So a lot of it honestly was sparked from just my own experiences and uh, my co-founder Sean's experiences. We both were in engineering together at Queens. And what we found is that, as I said, all these events that we would attend, whether it was a conference or a social, it always seemed like there's all this extra work we had to do to attend it. And then we even ended up hosting a few events together. We did a couple of conferences. We both took part in like the Queens uh, Engineering Orientation Week. And at that point, it really started clicking. Because once you kind of go through the whole process of having to set all this stuff up, you kind of realize it's not the host's fault that it's kind of a pain to attend these events as a guest. It's just that there isn't the right tools out there to achieve what we're looking for. And especially in kind of the high school all the way to like 25, 30 year old range, people don't want these kind of overly complex platforms to like have every sort of small detail on your event management and be able to define like every possible sort of information. A lot of the time it was just, they wanted an easy way to just create a quick event, invite their friends and collect money. And so that's really what we focused on. We didn't want to make it overly complicated where we're throwing a ton of features at you. We just want to make it simple and easy to use and seamless. That sounds great. So when was the moment that you decided that you were going to go and try to fix this problem? Pretty much. It was between my third and fourth year. I did a internship for 16 months. And I can talk a bit more about that later if you'd like. But around that same time, I actually, funny enough, 
from going from engineering physics to a full-time job, I thought I'd get bored with all my free time because I was so used to doing school all the time. And so I thought, okay, well, this is a good opportunity to uh, start some more side projects or try to start working on a startup. And at about the same time, um, Sean uh, had also been thinking the same thing. And we hadn't really ever verbalized that to each other. Uh, and so I think one day we're just chatting and we both realized we had been thinking about this and we'd had all these issues and we started talking about it and it kind of just made sense at that point to start. It was like, I was interested in doing some sort of project. And so no matter what, I was going to find something to do, but he was also interested from more of like a business perspective and just a value perspective on this. And so from that, it really made sense. And his skills are a lot more business focused. So that was another kind of big driver was that I knew I wouldn't have to learn all of this business marketing and sales stuff off the bat. Still interesting to me, but I really wanted to kind of focus on the technology, especially at the beginning. And so, yeah, it just kind of all fell together. And we said, all right, let's just start playing around with this, see if we can come up with something kind of cool. And then after a few months said, hey, you know what? Like we've got a little website, it doesn't really do much, but we can see the value in it. And we showed it to a few friends and they all really liked it. And so we said, all right, let's keep going with this. Let's actually start committing a lot more time into it. That sounds great. So how would you describe the way you guys proceeded to, I guess, make a foundation for Bounce and what was like the first step to making this company come true? Honestly, I feel like there wasn't really a defining moment. And that was a misconception that I had kind of had originally was that like, there was going to be this kind of turning point where it was like, all right, now we're like, we've got a startup or now we don't. Really, it was just like, all right, let's start just building and playing around with these technologies and see what we can do. Because at the time, we didn't even know what was possible or how hard it would be. And so little by little, as we kind of started exploring what was possible and what we were capable of doing, it just started making more and more sense. And so slowly, we started dedicating more and more of our time to it. And then eventually, once we started like actually showing it to people and getting interest, at that point, it was like, all right, we should just really start going after this. Because we've got, I think at the time, we had like a year and a half left of university left. And we kind of figured it was a great time to try and get it out because we're still in the demographic. That was kind of where we wanted to start. Anyways, we still had a lot of connections within the university space. And so after that, it was like, all right, let's try to get this out as quick as possible, try and make an impact before we graduate. And then once we graduate, worst case, we can try something else or move on. But if it goes well, then at that point, we don't need to go and start looking for jobs or anything. Right. That sounds really cool. So as of right now, what is your role in Bounce? And how would you describe your day-to-day responsibilities? So currently, I'm the CTO. My day-to-day responsibilities kind of all over the place sometimes. I would say about half my time is spent programming still, even maybe closer to two-thirds sometimes, depending on deadlines or whatever we're working on. And that's mostly focused on backend development, server infrastructure. That's always kind of been my niche. 
And then other than that, I do spend a bit of time kind of doing bug fixing and helping out on small features on website and our app, but for the most part, focused on backend for the development piece. And then other than that, the rest of my time is just spent managing developers, hiring developers, making sure everything's working smoothly. So doing things like code reviews, helping out developers if needed, kind of just like the all around helper slash fixer for anything that is like blocking or slowing anyone down. Cool. So what would you say is your favorite part in your day to day? I would have to say probably the programming. I've always been one that's just loved programming. And like, funny enough, when I first started, I wasn't sure if I wanted to even like do any sort of management with technology because I just love the programming aspect so much. What I kind of started to learn, though, was that in doing management, in ways it's very similar to programming in that what you're doing when you're programming is essentially taking ideas and thoughts in your mind and communicating them to others in a way that you can create value. And you can look at management in much of the same way, except for you can do it at a much greater scale because now you're not limited by just what you can program, but now you can have multiple people helping towards those goals and adding that value. And so once I started looking at it from that sense, I really started to enjoy the management aspect a lot more because you get to see the value that you're helping create. And even though it's not you specifically that's writing those lines of code, you are still the one that can really get people aligned with the vision and help steer everyone in the right direction. And so that's what I find the management is very cool and really enjoyable. I think I still have to say programming is my favorite, but it's getting pretty close to 50-50 now. That sounds great. So if we were to dive into a more operational and technical aspect, um, what would you say is the commitment necessary to running a startup? And for students who are interested in, I guess, working at one or maybe even starting their own startup, how would you describe the operational and technical aspects behind it? So for commitment, I would honestly say there's no clear cut answer to what sort of commitment you should be doing. The biggest thing for me is that you really just need to believe in the idea and the vision. If you're super passionate about what you're working on, then the commitment isn't going to be an issue. Like, for example, say my friends invite me to go hang out with them. To me, it's like if I know I need to meet a deadline, I don't really have to struggle with that decision because I'm super passionate about what I'm working on. And so it's very easy for me to say, sorry, can't come today. I got to really focus on this. And I enjoy doing it. It's not something that I'm sitting there and going, oh, this sucks to do. Even through the hard parts, it's still just fun and enjoyable because it's really what I'm interested in. And so I think number one, you should just be working on something that you're really passionate about. And the rest kind of comes along in terms of commitment. So for us, I would say about probably closer to a quarter of our work is in server infrastructure and DevOps. And so what that really focuses on is ensuring that our servers are always running, that they're not crashing, that the actual app and backends are always running properly. And I've found that actually in the last few years, that job has been becoming more and more automated. One thing that I've been noticing a lot is that serverless computing is becoming a big thing in the industry. And so there's all these ways that you can kind of 
one-click deploys, build a website or build a server, and then deploy it and not have to actually worry about the machines that are running it. And I would say five years ago, it seemed like this was like more of a niche for starter projects. But these days, it's like everything, almost everything can run off these sort of serverless systems. So that's really cool because it allows you to really focus on building the actual product and the thing that gives people value rather than worrying about making sure that the servers are up and running and that your site's not crashing. So a good chunk of it's that. Other than that, I would say in the beginning, our development was much more focused around our front ends. So the website and then the iOS app. But as we've kind of grown our product and grown our feature set, the focus has shifted much more towards our backend development because you can only really make a front end so big until eventually it just gets clunky and not as seamless and not as kind of great to use. But as you start scaling that front end, you then need to start ensuring that the backend can support that. And so separate from actually DevOps and server infrastructure, you also need to worry that, say, you're running database queries efficiently and you're able to process payments in a quick enough manner. And the general kind of operations on the platform are still secure. So like someone can't accidentally make a payment and then lose all their info. Small things like this that aren't necessarily DevOps related, but you might think of as more of like under the hood kind of reliability things rather than specific features. Right. That sounds great. I think it's really amazing to see how from a single product or a single platform, there's so much that goes into it from every single aspect, as you said, whether it's like the servers or making sure that there aren't any bugs concerning payments or all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that Bounce has faced as of right now? There's been a whole bunch, but I'd say Probably one that really stood out for us was COVID-19. And COVID-19 was a big struggle for everyone. So I don't want to try and say that we had it awful because I know that it was the same for many companies and many individuals. But we were in kind of a unique position because our platform was all focused around in-person events. And so once COVID-19 hit, it was like literally the one thing that you can do on our platform. You can't do anymore. So at that point, we were really uncertain if we were even going to survive throughout COVID-19 or what was going to happen. The other thing too, is that we were so early on, we're just starting to grow our team at that point. And so it was a really interesting problem to try and figure out how to grow a company culture while always on Zoom and while not even meeting certain people that we're hiring. So in terms of the first issue, what we ended up actually doing is building out a virtual side to bounce. And that's one of the cool things about being a, a technical founder is that we realized we might not survive if we didn't make a change. And so because me as a founder, I'm so bought into the vision and the idea, I could just say, all right, I'm just going to grind and put all this time into it, along with a couple other developers that were also really invested in the company. And we can actually try and make something out of this, even though it's kind of a crappy situation for everyone. And so we essentially added a um, Zoom-like component where you can host virtual events and then you'll have your virtual conference directly within Bounce. And that was really cool. Obviously, our growth kind of slowed 
down a bit. But once we released that, then it started picking back up. And it was really nice to see that it actually had an impact and we were able to do something with it. In terms of the company culture, it's actually something we're still kind of figuring out as we go. But it was really interesting because this is the first time we really had to build this company culture. And there wasn't really a playbook for how to do it remotely. This wasn't a common occurrence before COVID. And so we really tried to just keep everyone all involved and aware of what's going on within the company. So one thing we like to do is just have an open Slack channel that everyone's a part of. And that way it's like, no matter who you are, whether you're doing marketing, sales, development, you can message anyone else in the company. You can see what they're doing. We'll send updates there and just general info about kind of roadmap, what we're working towards next. And so that we found helps everyone kind of stay involved and feel like they're more part of a community. We also try to do things like calls where we'll just get everyone on a Zoom call and just chat about anything, whether it's about bounce or just hobbies, interests. But the idea there is that we don't really want to make it a business meeting. We want to just make it a time to hang out the same way that if we were in person, we might like say go grab a beer at the bar after on a Friday or like go out for dinner together. And so those are the kind of two things we've tried to do. I'd say it's kind of worked, but still not to the same degree as I would have liked. And as I think is possible in person. So I think eventually we are pretty keen to get back to an in-person environment, but we're kind of taking it slow and just going day by day, depending on how COVID-19 progresses. Those are some great points. And I think the COVID-19 situation really showed everyone how important it is to be able to adapt quickly to changing circumstances, like as you guys did with the new video conference features that really, you know, pick things back up and it really showed us how important it is to adapt quickly. Yes, exactly. What would you say is the biggest difference between working for a big tech company and being an entrepreneur in the tech space? So kind of classic one, and I'm sure most people have heard this already, is that you can make much more of an impact, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or even just working for a startup, because there's much less people there. There's much less structure and rules around what you can and can't do. And so because of that, you have so much flexibility. And so if you're the type of person that's really self-motivated and driven and likes what they're working on, then I would say startups are a great place because you really are able to kind of take ideas and take your own projects, really go 100% at them and actually see them have an impactful value toward people using them. I found when working at bigger companies, at the time, it was really cool because it's like, oh, I'm working on this like larger product that like might be used by a lot of people. But it would be like this really tiny niche feature or like it would be like writing tests for it. I found I didn't really get the same satisfaction that I would have liked to. And so it was pretty clear for me that I was going to enjoy being in a startup environment much more. The other thing is that with companies, you're very limited by what you can try out. I found with startups, because again, there's much less people and 
less positions covered. You get to wear all these sorts of different hats. And especially if you're self-motivated and you're making it clear to say the founders, or if you're the entrepreneur yourself, that you want to try these different things, often they're open to that because it's like they need the help. They're usually doing a million things at once. And so if someone's driven and says, hey, I think I can do this, I'd like to give it a shot and help out. It's a really great way to be able to take on something new and really have a go at it. That sounds great. And I think tying back to the fact that when you're an entrepreneur, you wear a lot of hats. I was wondering, do you have a typical week or is each week different from the other? They're all pretty different. I would say there are some consistent aspects. As I was saying before, like about half my week is programming. The other half is management and uh, all those other little things. And that's pretty much the same without fail. Um, in terms of what I work on and uh, like problems that come up and things like that, it's always different. And that's what I love. It's always very exciting. I find it really keeps me on my toes in that like I can never really get too comfortable uh, doing one thing because the second I'll start getting better at something, some new problem will arise that I've never seen before. And suddenly it's like I'm a beginner all over again. And at first that can be kind of scary, but eventually I started to realize it was really valuable because often what, what happens, especially if people kind of go the corporate route, is they really just get siloed into these specialties and they get really, really good at them. But then they start neglecting other fields and other interests. And because of that, they get less used to new problems and learning new things. And so your brain is less able to adapt than when new problems do actually occur. And so in really just keeping yourself always on your toes and always being a beginner at whatever you do, you're able to really train your brain into being adaptable and being able to face new issues and new problems every day. That sounds great. So with the new issues and new things popping up often, do you see any up and coming trends in this event and payment industry that you think are here to stay? Yeah, I think in terms of payments, one that's becoming pretty clear is that payments are going full digital. And I think COVID-19 has really helped solidify that. I almost never see people dealing with cash anymore, which is really interesting. And it, it provides a lot of opportunity in the payment space and in the fintech space because everything is going towards software. And it makes sense. You can do it more efficiently. You can be more secure with it and you can impact more people with the software you build. So fintech in general, I think, although at times it might seem saturated, I think there's a ton of growth potential with it. And specifically in Canada, they're starting to implement something called open banking, which essentially almost creates like a standard interface where different banks and companies can exchange financial data in like a secure and controlled manner that always puts the control in the user's hands. And so that's really cool because it gives opportunity for more applications because now you can cross-reference different data sets that before you might not have been able to, while also adding more security and more control to the users themselves. Kind of in a similar way that like more recently on iPhones, uh, it'll get you to actually select which images you want to give access to a specific app or program. The same way it's putting a lot more of that control in the user's hands. 
Yeah, I think it's great to see all these new innovations that have been happening in the fintech space. And I think it really is going to change the way people deal with payments and money in general. Mm-hmm. So I guess from a more personal standpoint, what are some struggles that you faced in your career so far? So COVID-19 and kind of that was more of a whole bounce struggle. But I would say that was a pretty big struggle in general, just because it really came out of nowhere and we really weren't sure what was going to happen. Something I actually struggled a lot with early on before I kind of started my career was actually just getting into programming. I found that it was very overwhelming when I first wanted to start learning because I didn't kind of have as much exposure in school. I had to go and find those resources online. And I found there's so much out there online, specifically with programming, and every single person is saying different things. Like if you start looking into what language should I learn or what sort of apps are up and coming, you're never going to find the same answer. And that is really scary because it makes you think, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not smart enough for this. And eventually what I ended up finding was that rather than trying to find like the perfect language or the perfect project to start on, it was way more effective to just choose something and go with it. And in doing that, you really get this snowball effect where like, say you um, have an idea for some sort of app. You have no idea if it's possible, what language you would use or how you would do it. But off the bat with that idea, you can now say, okay, how have similar ideas been implemented in the past? Let me see what sorts of languages they use and what sorts of tech stacks. And now what sort of features do they have? And maybe I can think of some more interesting features to add. And then in doing that, you really just have this snowball effect where now you have a guided direction that you can go down. And you're not getting distracted by trying to find the perfect thing to go after. And once you really go deeper down that route, you very quickly realize what you're interested in and what you're good at versus what maybe you're not as interested in, or maybe just what you kind of had misconceptions about. So literally just trying things, I think, was huge for me. And once I just started jumping in, it, everything started really fitting together because it's so much more clear on like, okay, I know I don't like this because I actually tried it for a month. Let's go try something else. And then you find that one thing you like and great. Okay. Now I can go really deep into this and start learning more and more. So that's really what I struggled with at first, but what I ended up kind of figuring out along the way and what really helped me out. That's a great piece of advice of you know, trying new things, jumping in and then creating the snowball effect. On the topic of advice, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? I think the biggest thing I would say is stop worrying about having everything figured out. It, it can often seem like people around you are more put together or more successful or just have more potential than you. And that can really lead you to Uh, not try something or doubt yourself. And like this kind of happened to me going back to the figuring out what to jump into with programming. Originally, I doubted that this was going to be something that I'd be really good at because I just hadn't jumped in yet. And I saw these, like a couple of my friends had started programming at a really young age and it was like, they were already experts and I saw that and I said, oh, well, I didn't start at a young age. Like, I'm not going to be able to do that. And 
in doing that, I think that I initially limited myself a lot. And I see this with a lot of people. It's very easy to just put yourself down and say, I probably can't do that. I'm just not going to try. And what you end up finding is humans are so adaptable. You can realistically learn almost anything if you put the time and the effort in. And so actually just jumping in and ignoring that voice that's saying, oh, maybe I won't do this, or maybe I'm going to fail and just going for it. It's just always works out better because even if you fail, you learn so much and then you'll never make similar mistakes and you'll have more of a direction to go on. And so rather than kind of worrying about, oh, I need to make sure I like do all these things to be successful and I don't want to fail and look at all these other people who have their life figured out, just jump into what you're interested in and then see where it takes you. And eventually you'll figure out what you want to do through that much quicker and much easier than just stressing about not knowing things or where other people are at in their lives. I think that's such an important piece of advice that really resonates with me. As you said, like, instead of like comparing yourself to others or stuff like that, it's just so important to sometimes just trust the process and go with the flow. Exactly. Well, and I find it's really hard, though, until you've actually jumped in, because everyone always tells you growing up, like, don't compare yourself to others. But like, that doesn't really mean anything, because inherently, I think humans are very competitive. So you're always comparing yourself to others. And until you actually see that it really doesn't matter where you are compared to others. And until you actually jump in and try it a couple times, it doesn't really resonate. And so I think one of the biggest things going back to it, just jump in and try something. And once you do that, then all the other pieces start to fit together and you start to see, okay, you know what? I jumped in and I started this and maybe like, maybe this other person is further ahead, but there's all these other people that are way behind because they're not even trying. And so eventually you realize it's so irrelevant to try and compare yourself to others because everyone's always going to be different. And there's always going to be someone ahead and there's always going to be someone behind. Yeah, that sounds great. I really like how you said that basically everyone is unique in a unique position in life and, you know, just kind of go with what you want to do and go ahead and push through. So would you say that this is the same type of advice that you would give to students who are interested in pursuing entrepreneurship? Yes, 100%. I think it applies really well with entrepreneurship because a lot of people can just kind of get cold feet and get too scared to jump in and they just won't try anything because of that. But I think it also just applies in general to everything. It's so easy to say, oh, I I don't want to do this. It's too hard or I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not going to try. And in the end, you're never going to look back and say, oh, I, I wish I hadn't tried. Um, but you will look back and say, I wish I had tried. Something that was really interesting that someone once told me was that, think about what, when you're on your deathbed, what will you be regretting in life? And immediately it becomes clear what you should and shouldn't be doing. Because if right away you start to think, oh, I'm going to regret not having tried to start up or not doing this because, I don't know, I was unsure about it that all becomes irrelevant when you're on your deathbed. You And at that point, all you, you'll want to have done is just tried it. Because worst case, you would have just failed and then gone and done something else. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that reminds me of something I've read before, which said something along the lines of when people are asked what they regret, they usually regret things that they haven't done and not things that they've done. Exactly. Yeah. And I can say for certain, pretty much everything I regret is always things I don't do. Yeah. So the lesson is just to go ahead and do it. (laughs) Yeah. Just trust your gut. Don't let your brain tell you, uh, this might not work or this might fail. Just jump in. And again, like failing is a very scary thing until you do it multiple times. And you start to realize that like you end up furthering yourself and learning way more in failing than you do in succeeding. And so once you kind of get comfortable with the idea that it's okay to fail and you're actually in failing, you're going to come out of it at a better place than before, it becomes something that you can much more easily say, okay, I'm not going to worry about the consequences with trying this out. I'm just going to jump in. That sounds great. So to wrap things up, what would you say are the next steps for Bounce and what are you most excited for? So currently we're hiring a few new developers. We're working really hard to release our new mobile app. So just to add a bit of context there, we currently have an iPhone app and a website. What we've been kind of working on the last couple of months is to, first of all, redo our whole iPhone app, but then also release an Android app. So big steps for us is get that app out and then start to expand to more schools throughout Canada and down through the States. So uh, we're really hoping that in September, we can kind of uh, do a big push for orientation weeks and start to go down into the States. And then from there, we really want to start to explore different ideas with specifically payments. There's so much that can be done with payments in general in this ecosystem. And especially in a country like Canada, where like e-transfer is still the de facto standard, there's a lot of opportunity for how to kind of improve that, but also start looking at things like being able to like buy items from a store or buy food directly from an app. And so those are kind of avenues that we're starting to explore. But for the time being, it's really just focusing on getting our app out and expanding and really uh, getting down to the States and adding value to as many people as we can. That sounds great. I'm looking forward and excited for the new developments of Bounce. Thank you. So this concludes this episode of Inquiry. Thanks so much for coming on and having a chat with me, Francesco. Thank you. I really appreciated it. This episode is part of Inquiry's focus series, Tech from Square One. We hope you enjoyed. Thanks for tuning in and having us be a part of your journey to code your future. Make sure to follow us on social media to stay in the loop and for a chance to have your questions answered in our next episode. See you then.